Talk Radio 191 FM podcast. Mr. Speaker. Kia ora koutou, Kia ora koutou. Good morning. Good morning. This is the wonderful politics section. I have the wonderful John Moore and Jeffrey Palmer with me. Wonderful. Jeffrey Miller. Jeffrey Miller. Mm-hmm. I just called you a, pre- a prime minister, didn't I? Jeffrey Palmer. Yeah, Jeffrey Palmer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, you can tell I'm cover for today, but it's it's wonderful to have you both in the studio. Thanks. Cheers. Great Thank to be you. here on this sweet morning. It is, it, is, it is a bit crap, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Meant to snow tonight. Oh, lovely. The woman at the dairy told me, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Sage wisdom, clearly. Um, so, what are we talking about? Um, well, today I thought we'd cover um, the climate strike, and after that go uh, uh, talk about uh, Greta Thunberg, um, and then Jacinda Ardern's overseas trip. So, yeah, the climate strike um, is, is the most significant um, political event, I would argue, uh, mm. this week. Um, we had 170,000 protesters in New Zealand, um, and and this is part of a, um, a global campaign this month where um, one figure I saw uh, was 7.6 million people have taken part in mobilisation. So this has to be, in terms of numbers, one of the biggest social movements ever. Mm. Uh, and, and all started off from um, the lone actions of uh, one teenager in Sweden, Greta Thunberg, who stood outside their parliament demanding action on climate change, and this has morphed into... A, a, a huge phenomena. Yeah, it's, it's certainly impressive. I mean, these protests are, you know, uh, the biggest protests we've probably seen since the protests against the Iraq War back in 2003 globally, certainly, uh, and in New Zealand, probably the biggest protests uh, since the uh, protests against the Springbok Tour, which back in 1981. And New Zealanders are not really... Um, are big fans of, of mass protests. I mean, they mm. are quite rare in New Zealand versus in, in other countries, I and mean, it doesn't take much to get people out on a demo in, uh, in Germany, for example. Um, but New Zealand, it's quite hard to get people out on the streets and mass mobilisation. So I think we shouldn't underestimate this. Uh, and, I mean, even if the 170,000 figure is probably a little optimistic, it's still a very large number, and you, you only have to look at the pictures um, from Wellington, from Auckland, um, to see you've got you know tens of thousands on the streets, whatever the exact figure may be. Hmm. They've they've likened it to the foreshore on seabed protests, haven't they, from two thousand and four as well, in the level of like mass mo- mobilisation. But I guess the lack of ability to you know get people out on the streets in New Zealand could be contributed to a certain aspect of the tall poppy syndrome, not wanting to make a big fuss of anything in particular. But then when the cause is worthy, sure. Mm-hmm. And I think um, we're seeing uh, a new generation emerging, Generation Z, as it's called, um, and uh, possibly this will be the most um, radical generation uh, of modern times. You know, uh, uh, that generation is, is deeply cynical about the political process. Mm. Uh, and, and if you look at um, countries like America, for example, uh, when youth are surveyed, um, a majority of them will say that they, for example, prefer socialism over capitalism. Now, that's that's uh, you can 
dissect and pull that apart, what that actually means. Mm. Uh, are those uh, young people saying they want to centralise command economy? <laughs> Probably not. Uh, but nonetheless, it, it, it's um, astounding in, in terms of uh, beliefs and ideology how radical this new generation is. And I think that's why we're seeing uh, these big numbers, these big mm. mobilisations. And it's a lot to do with generations also being um, a global generation uh, that, that feels connected with each other throughout the world mm. um, and, and a lot of course that's got to do with the internet and social media etc but but really yeah it the social media and the internet is allowing radical ideas to to be spread very quickly radical mm. ideas on both the right and the left mm. um, so we're seeing that with the rise of the alt-right for example and, and populism nationalism etc mm. but we're also seeing that with the rise of, of a new radical left and also with this new environmental movement yeah, absolutely. I mean, we saw about uh, 13 years ago now, or f- perhaps closer to 15 years ago, we saw a wave of, of climate change activism that was headed very much by Al Gore, if you remember, the former U.S. vice president. Truth. Exactly. So he came out with that film, An Inconvenient Truth. But it was a very different world back then, because that really was the, the pre-social media days. And, um, you know, this media is much more, uh, sorry, this movement is much more organic, I think, mm. um, has this nominal figurehead of... Greta Thunberg, who's important, I and mean, it's important to have a leader okay. in any uh, change movement, but it is a very, very different movement to what we saw under Al Gore, which was more of a uh, explanatory kind of phase, if you remember people going along to the film and understanding what climate change is and looking at the graphs and so on, whereas mm. now it is all about these, these mass protests. I was really disappointed by the reaction of Winston Peters to the notion of the protest and his response to it. And then comparing that to the response of Chris Hipkins, the actual education minister, who was so deeply like, if they're learning, they're learning. And then to see a more traditionalist member of a party like that, just, you know, again, consistently on the campaign, it would mm. feel like just pushing his own agenda towards a strike that is in- intensely altruistic. And, and, and speak, well, I guess what Peters is speaking to his base, you know, uh, mm. New Zealand First uh, gets a lot of support from uh, people in rural provincial areas, uh, farmers, small business people uh, who will fear um, regulations um, around uh, climate change and that push towards uh, zero carbon emissions. So, Mr. Um, Peters playing a smart political game, uh, Um, uh, Is he being moral, ethical? Well, that's open to debate, but he's certainly saying what he needs to say to get back into power. Um, Rational, efficient, if you mm, want to reckon, eh? I guess what... It is interesting with this new social movement that it is, I would argue at the moment, it's inherently anti-establishment and that it's it's aiming its fire at all political leaders for uh, what the protesters believe is a lack of action on climate change. Um, However, uh, yeah, I guess the big question, will this movement be co-opted by people in power, by leaders? And uh, I think it's difficult because of its decentralised nature and amorphous Mm. nature that it would be difficult to go in there and try and take control. But certainly politicians are... Certain politicians are using uh, this new movement to project their own politics. Yeah, definitely. Um, we've seen that with the Green Party and the Labour say. Party. And um, so I think that pushes forward a question for the, this new movement. How do they relate to the, How should they relate to those politicians who jump on board this protest? Mm. Uh, should they be more rigorously questioning these politicians? So, for example, OK, we've got a zero-carbon bill uh, supported by this... Um, 
a coalition government that's pushed by both Labour and the Greens. However, Russell Norman from Greenpeace gave uh, the zero carbon bill zero out of ten. Yeah. Zero out of ten. So, um, yes, the Greens and Labour are big on talk, uh, but... According to Russell Norman, former Green Party co-leader and head of Greenpeace, uh, they're, they're completely lacking in action. And that's because the Zero Carbon Bill sets targets, but virtually none of them are enforceable. Mm-hmm. And we're already seeing with uh, carbon emissions, the whole talk of uh, pushing back against carbon emissions and methane from farmers, that it looks like, um, again, we're going to see a very watered-down piece of legislation. When that's the rhetoric coming from Greta herself which is, it's not good enough, nothing any mm. you're doing is good enough, yeah, we yeah. have the next amount of gigatons and we, we're going to surpass it Absolutely, and, and Greta Thunberg takes you know, a fairly extreme point of view and if you listen to her speech last week you get a, you get a glimpse of this um, she said, quote, you've stolen my dreams in my childhood people are suffering, people are dying, entire ecosystems systems are collapsing, we're in the beginning of a mass extinction and all you can talk about is money and fairy tales of eternal economic growth how dare you? Uh, you know, this is a very radical prescription. And I do think it is interesting, this juxtaposition of the climate strikers, if you like, uh, this mass movement, and you had uh, James Shaw there, you know, who's pr- proposing a very, very mild solution to this. Agreed. And his, um, you know, his justification uh, for going s- you know, softly, softly, uh, and aiming for you know, carbon neutrality, maybe by 2050, but without any real enforcement of it, um, you know, his justification is, oh, we need to build consensus, and this has got to hold up uh, for you know 30 years, uh, you know, across you know several different governments. So we need to take everyone with us. You know, I think Greta Thunberg, you know, her position is, well, you know, what's the use of that? Uh, we're all going to be dead, you know, uh, by that point. Uh, it's going to be too late to make any any difference to climate change if you mm. take this approach. Um, so you know, you have James Shaw there, you know, smiling and and you know supporting the protesters if you like but really um, they're angry at him and they're angry at the government's weak, very weak position on on climate change. You know, Jacinda Ardern said that uh, climate change is this generation's nuclear free moment but you know the, the solution doesn't really seem to mesh with um, the diagnosis. Agreed and that links perfectly to um, Cindy's trip I guess because one of the things that she supposedly didn't really talk about was you know, with Trump, was mm. that particular topic. So. Mm. Yeah, so some people have been highly critical of uh, just a, a doing trip overseas. Um, she certainly did bring up climate change at the UN. I think she spoke uh, right after Greta Thunberg. Yeah. Um, uh, but again, um, many criticise her speech would be more about platitudes and also really promoting New Zealand, mm. uh, what New Zealand is doing about climate change and uh, how great New Zealand is. Um, Whereas we've just discussed that uh, it's highly questionable uh, uh, this government's stance on climate change and zero carbon emissions, etc. Um, but yeah, with Trump, uh, um, the, this government's supporters will say, well, there's no point in her discussing climate change with uh, Donald Trump. He wouldn't listen. Uh, what uh, she tried to focus on issues of trade, which are important to New Zealand, so good on her. Um, she just went for um, what she could get out of the meeting critics would say, well, she's presented herself and been seen as the anti-Trump, whereas you've had this whole push towards populist right-wing leader throughout the world, suddenly you had this progressive leader talking about transformation and talking about making um, climate change the issue of of this generation, and she went in uh, with the most 
powerful man in the world uh, with the country that uh, pushes out the most emissions and said nothing, zilch, about climate change. Um, at the very least, if she had uh, uh, publicly criticised him and, and, and critiqued him, then that would show that, um, that she is a real leader uh, pushing mm. this issue globally to the global public, but she failed to do that. And uh, the question might be, well, if she felt she couldn't raise contentious issues with Trump, um, who I think she would see as a deeply immoral man, Agreed. Uh, then maybe she shouldn't have met him at, at all. And other leaders have, have taken that position. I mean, Jeremy Corbyn, uh, the British opposition leader, uh, has refused to meet with Trump uh, and famously boycotted the, the state visit. Right. So, I mean, that would be an option, you know, is to say, well, no, I'm not going to meet with Donald Trump and here's why and state the case, but uh, she chose not to do so. But I do think, and, you know, this is appropriately enough, seeing we're talking about Greta Thunberg, you know, I think there's an element of Stockholm Syndrome here when New Zealand leaders go abroad, you know, they're just so happy to be noticed and to even get five minutes Agreed. with uh, Donald Trump as seen as a huge coup, which is very different from, you know, for you know, compared with leaders of bigger countries who, you know, just expect to, you know, meet and talk with, uh, you know, the, the US president. So, I mean, mm. you know, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing or not, I mean, that's up for debate. Well, she mentioned it was a sort of setup for the APEC conference in 2021, I suppose, like a good start of a discourse that can continue, but... Well, Trump might not be there even exactly. in 2021, <laughs> I mean, the way things are going at the moment with the uh, impeachment debate. But, um, yeah, we'll have to see what happens, mm. as Donald Trump himself likes to say. Mm. That's fair. So, any, any last words, any topics, guys? Yeah, I guess going back to Jacinda Ardern's meeting of Donald Trump, and uh, yeah, I recognise his arguments for and against her meeting him, but I think one argument against is that she's acting to normalise him as a president, mm. whereas the, the stance of a, a, a lot of people, even conservatives, but certainly people on the left, is that he's not a normal president. He, uh, he says things that are incredibly toxic, and dangerous, you know, his, his racist statements, his statements against Mexicans, his statements against Muslims that time. Remember, this this is the man who proposed banning every single Muslim in the world from entering America at one stage. Mm. He demonised uh, hundreds of millions of people throughout the world. Um, and so just meeting him and ha having a cosy chat and saying nice things on Twitter, as Jacinda Ardern did, about Donald Trump and Donald Trump being able to re reply and say, yes, sir, I agree with Jacinda Ardern. It was a great chat. It normalises him as a president. And if people are fine with that, uh, then we should congratulate Jacinda Ardern. But if you're not fine with that, uh, then there should be more critiques of what Jacinda Ardern did in meeting mm -hmm. Donald Trump. Agreed. Well, thanks so much, guys. That was fascinating, as always. Um, uh, coming up. This was a Radio 191 FM podcast. You can find more at r1.co.nz or wherever quality content is found.